God is good. Yeah. So, 1 John chapter 2, um, that took a little bit longer than I thought it would, and so I'm going to endeavor to preach fast this morning. Now, I can preach fast, but the issue is, can you listen fast today? All right? So I'm going to move quick. I'm going to move fast. We're going to blaze through 1 John chapter 2 today. There's a, there's a good word in here for you. God wants to speak to you today through his word. He does. God, God's got something for you today in his word. I promise you. And if you will open up your heart, open up your ears, open up your life to what God wants to say through his spirit to you today, your life can be changed today. I believe that. And so uh, I'm going to preach fast. I want you to listen fast today, all right? I'm going to skip some preliminary stuff, you know, just trying to get you interested and warmed up and all that kind of stuff. We're just going to go straight to the Word today, okay? All right, 1 John chapter 1, no, chapter 2 and verse uh, 12. I'm going to read the passage, and we'll come back through, and I'll teach on it. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you that you're a God who speaks. Uh, thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, as the world stumbles around in darkness, uh, we don't have to because we have the light. You've shown us the way. You've shown us the truth. You've given us your life. Lord, I thank you for your word that sanctifies us, that purifies us, that, that washes us, that, that, that cleanses our soul and our mind and our thinking and our desires, Lord. Lord, all of these things help us, Lord, through, through our time in your word today to be made more like you, that we would be uh, good Christians, faithful representations of you in the earth today, and that we would shine as lights every day uh, living for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world." And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We see in this passage that there are forces for good and forces of evil. Amen. If we go back up to verses 12 uh, through uh, 14, twice is mentioned the evil one. The evil one. And when we get to the other passage, it talks about the world, the world, the world, the world, the world. So we see that there are forces for evil. Yet we also see that there is the Father, that there is God. And so eight times in this passage, the forces of evil are mentioned. You need to know that there are forces for good and there are forces for evil. Now we live in a culture that would have us believe otherwise. We live in a culture today that would say everything is relative, there's no absolutes, that everything is just a collection of gray, 
that there are no moral absolutes, that what is right sometimes is wrong other times, and what is wrong sometimes is right other times, and what might be right for you is, might not be right for me, and what's wrong for me might not be wrong for you. We live in a culture that, that wants us to truly believe that there is no evil and that there is no good, that it's all just one, that it's all just one thing, one idea. But this is not the picture the Bible gives us. This is not the picture the Bible gives us. The Bible gives us a clear picture from the very beginning to the very end that there is right and there is wrong, that there is good and there is evil, that there is light, there is darkness, there is love, there is hate, there is truth, and there is lies. The Bible is very clear on these distinctions. Truth and lies are not the same thing. You need to know this. Unfortunately, you need to be told this, that there is a difference between truth and lies, and they are not the same thing. One person's truth is not another person's lie. If it's true, it's true. If it's a lie, it's a lie. It can't be true for me and a lie for you. It can't be a lie for you and true for me. There is an objective, absolute reality. We live in a world that is trying to tear this idea apart. We live in a world that says, well, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. Listen, if I am standing in Texas and I say I'm standing in Texas and somebody else next to me says they're standing in Timbuktu, okay, we'll go with that. Timbuktu. One of those is true and the other is a lie. Hello? One is true and the other is not. There is truth and there is lies. And we live in a world that, that says, well, it might be true for them, but this is also true. And they're two totally separate things. They both can't be true. There is truth and there is lies. If two people say the exact opposite thing, one is maybe telling the truth and the other is lying, but they both can't be true. Hello? And, and we, we live in a world that wants to have its cake and eat it too. They, they want to say, well, maybe they're both true. Maybe both people are telling the truth. Or maybe it's true for you and true for him. And, but that's not in, that is not the way the Bible sees the world. There is good. There is evil. There is truth. There is lies. The idea that it's true for one and not true for another, guess what that is? That's a lie. That's a lie in and of itself. And it's a tactic of deception meant to lead you to destruction. If you don't believe anything is true, you won't believe God is true. If you don't believe truth exists, you won't even recognize truth when it smacks you in the face. This is I don't have time for that rabbit trail, but it's really good. So, so Jesus is, is he's, he's arrested. 
He's put on trial, falsely accused. Um, he's, he's beaten. Uh, then he's taken from the Jewish leaders to the Roman leader uh, because the Jewish uh, people wanted him crucified and they couldn't accomplish that themselves. So they had to take him to the uh, Roman leader, Pilate, Punctius Pilate. And Jesus stands before Pilate. Jesus, God in the flesh, stands before this Roman authority and he speaks of truth. And this Roman authority, Pilate, mocks Jesus, sort of laughs at him and says, what is truth? What is truth? As, as, if, it, as if it's a, an idea, a concept that doesn't exist. What is truth? And, and we live in a world today that, that is, is sharing the same attitude. We live in a culture today that is sharing the same idea towards truth. What is truth? What is true anymore? You can't trust anybody. You can't trust the news. You can't trust the politics. You can't trust this, that, or that. What is truth? Listen, don't become um, ambivalent or... Um, no, cynical is not the word. Apathetic. Don't become apathetic in your attitude towards truth because if you do, truth can, can stand right in front of you in bodily form as Jesus did. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and you don't even recognize he's right there. If you become, um, what was the word I used? Apathetic. apathetic. Thank you. Some people are listening. Apathetic towards the truth. It will stand right in front of you and you won't even recognize it. We as Christians, we should be in pursuit of the truth always, always. Never settling for lies. You need to know that there is good and that there is evil. The evil one is out to destroy you. Satan is out to destroy you, to destroy your life, to destroy your family, to destroy your soul. There are dark, satanic, demonic forces, spiritual forces in the world at work every single day. And so often we let ourselves become blinded by the events of our physical world and we don't stop to consider that there is a spiritual world, a supernatural realm between light and darkness and there is a war taking place. This passage helps us to take the blinders off and it actually gives us the key to overcoming these dark spiritual forces. Don't you want to overcome these dark spiritual forces? Listen, there is an enemy of your soul and he's not playing games. He's out to destroy you, to destroy your life, to destroy everything that you love. That is Satan. He's not playing games. He wakes up every morning and puts his boots on. He's ready to go. We need to know how to defeat this enemy of our soul. Amen. This passage gives us the key. You're in the right place today. Okay, what, what this is talking about here in this first section about children and young men and fathers, back to young men and children and fathers and young men, what, what John is talking about here, he's talking about spiritual maturity. Or if you want to sound sophisticated, you can say maturity, all right? Spiritual maturity is what he is talking about. From a babe to a young man to a father. Now, it's one thing to have your sins forgiven. And that's what he writes about at the beginning Children who, who know the Father. Children, when we're born again, we have our sins forgiven. We're in God's 
family. We're like little babies. And I praise God if you've had your sins forgiven. I praise God for that. I praise God if you've put your faith in Jesus and you've been born again and you've had your sins forgiven. It's a great thing to have your sins forgiven. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. But this is talking about more than simply forgiveness. What he's talking about is having complete and total victory through Jesus Christ. Because you can be forgiven of sin and still not have the victory over sin. You can have your sins forgiven and still live in bondage. And it's the difference from being a baby to growing up into Christian maturity. This is what he's talking about in this passage. Because I don't only want to have my sins forgiven, I want to overcome sin. I want to be set free from sin. I want to stomp sin on the head and crush his throat. I want to put sin to death in my life. I want to go to war against sin in my life. And it takes some growing up is what he is saying here. Putting, to, putting sin to death in your life. Here's what I want you to see. It is those who press on to maturity that overcome the evil one. Do you see that in the last verse? It's the young men who are full of God's word and have become strong who overcome the evil one. It's not the little children that have overcome the evil one. It's those who have pressed on into maturity, who have grown from being babes in Christ to being young men. So the difference between um, children and a young man is that children need someone to feed them. I have four children, and if we did not feed them, they would not eat. We have to provide their food for them. Children cannot feed themselves. Young men, as, as children grow into maturity, young men learn how to feed themselves. How many of you have learned how to do this? Amen, right? You, you, your mommy doesn't show up and make you oatmeal in the morning, okay? And if you're over 15 and your mommy's making you oatmeal in the morning, you've got a good mommy. If you're over 18 and you're doing that, you need to put some pants on, my friend. You, you, need, to, you need to move on to maturity. But let's get back to the spiritual things. Um, Children don't know how to feed themselves. Young men move on to maturity and they know how to feed themselves. Fathers are those who now feed others. Children can't do anything. They're just, they're just there, but they can't feed themselves. And we're talking about the word here. This is what he concludes with. It is the word of God that abides in them that has caused them to be strong and to overcome the evil one. When, when you first come to Christ, you need someone that will spoon feed you the word of God. 
This is John 3.16. This is Romans. This is Philippians 4.13. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's okay. God loves you, right? Here's the word. You, you spoon feed the word. And, and you don't start with a new believer with here's Leviticus and here's animal sacrifice and here's the curtains on the temple. I mean, it's just like, no, you, you just start with the nice Jeremiah 2011. God's got a, a 29-11, a plan, a purpose for you. God bless you. You just give them a little bit. But listen, just like a natural child who, who never matures and develops and progresses and how that would be a bad thing, amen? That would mean there's something wrong with that child. If a child never grows and matures so that he's able to feed himself, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Just like that, a Christian should grow and learn to feed themselves. So it's not always about, Pastor, feed me. Pastor, feed me. Pastor, feed me. I need some, some encouragement today. Pastor, feed me. No, as a mature Christian... I feed myself. Hello? I feed myself. If you're a mature Christian. I think that's what this says. <laughs> so if, if it's just feed me, feed me, feed me, bless me, bless me, bless me, heal me, heal me, heal me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. That's okay when you're a baby Christian. But if you've been serving the Lord for... I'll just say, I'll just give through three years, all right? You've been serving the Lord for three years, and it's still feed me, feed me, feed me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Uh, I, th- and then 10 years, and 15 years, and 20 years? We need to move on to maturity, and this is what he's saying. And listen, maturity, moving on to maturity is what holds the key to overcoming the evil one. To, to getting some muscle, to, to learning how to use the sword and, and to wield it and to fend it off. And then even there's another level from just feeding myself. And that's where I turn around and say, okay, who are the little ones here? Who can I feed? Who can I bless? Who can I share with today? This is Christian maturity. And, and we need to not stop. Let me encourage you, don't stop until you're feeding others. Hello? Don't stop until you're feeding others. This is, this is, this, and here he says, fathers whom you have, you know the one who was from the beginning. It's, it's when you go from just, I need food, I need people to bless me, I need someone to feed me, to I'm feeding myself, I'm growing in the Lord, I'm, I'm strengthening myself. It's not just on Sunday morning that I show up looking for someone to like, you know, shoot some adrenaline into my arm so I can get back out there. It's, uh, I'm strong, I'm, I'm prayed up, I'm, I'm read up, I'm fired up, I'm ready to go. And then on to... Now who can I serve? Who can I feed? Who can I bless? Who can I help grow? And it's in this level where you truly become to, you, you truly begin to know the Father, where, where you truly begin to walk with the Lord in um, a, a very deep and a very real way, where, where now people are, are, are leaning on your relationship with God for their own spiritual life. Do you see that that's what's happening here? That, that these fathers are, are so close to the father and they're feeding others. Now these people are, are leaning on 
those type of, of, of leaders' lives for their own spiritual growth and maturity. That's what God has for you. God could have that for everyone in here. So I want to encourage you, wherever you find yourself at this morning, whether it's you, you, just, you need the word, you need the word, you need someone to spoon feed it to you, hey, I'm not here to talk down to you, um, but I am here to say, let's, go, let's grow up a little bit. Let's take it up a notch. Let's move it up a level. There's more. That's all I'm here to say. There's more. There's more than feed me, feed me, feed me, bless me, bless me, bless me. There's a level of overcoming the evil one. There's a level of being set free from sin, of being set free from the power of the devil, of, of living a life of victory over those, those things, those traps that, that would keep us when we're so young and immature. There's a level of victory and strength. And then even beyond that, there's a level of uh, fruitfulness that those who are faithful begin to lead other people into their walk with the Lord. So I want to encourage you uh, in that. And the key, the key to this is God's word abiding in you. God's word. It's, it's being strengthened in God's word. It's, it's knowing God's word. But, but it's so much more than simply knowing some verses and being able to quote verses. It's so much more than just memorizing. It's abiding, God's word abiding. Abiding means to live, that God's word is living in you. Think about that. What does that mean? What would that look like for God's word to be living in you? It means it's not just some words on a page in a book over here, that it's words I've, I've put into my heart at the deepest level and I act on them. I live them out. I believe God's word to be true. And so I'm living it out in my own life. And when I do that, God's word is living in me and abiding in me. And through that, I can overcome and you can overcome these deep and dark spiritual forces that would try and take you out. So let me ask you the question, what is abiding in you this morning? What's living in you today? Is it God's word? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it Jesus? Or are you filling yourself up with some other junk? Well, let me see. He goes on. He, he goes on. Verse 15, do not love the world. It's this issue of I'm going to let God's word abide in me or I'm loving the world. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of possessions is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. just like the time. Okay, okay. Well, all the, other, all the other people were quiet, so I'm listening to the people that are telling me to go on. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, preach it. Yeah, all right. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so, the world. It says, do not love the world. Do you see that? When the Bible uses the world, 
the word, when the Bible uses the word world, it's talking about three different things. Sometimes the Bible's talking about planet Earth, the place we are at right now. Planet Earth, the Earth, creation, the world. The other thing the world can be is humanity. Humanity. The people that inhabit the world. And so that's what's being used in the verse where it said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's talking about the people of the world, the nations of the world. And then thirdly is this use of the world, which is the invisible spiritual system that is opposed to God and opposed to Christ. There is an invisible spiritual system in the world that is opposed to Christ. Have you experienced that? Have you seen that? It, 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 it is actually becoming more and more visible as it's played out and acted out in people's lives in our culture that we see. It is, it is, a, it is a system of thought, of value, of idea that is opposed to God and opposed to Christ. And Christ alone is what this system is opposed to. Satan works through this system to destroy lives and oppose the kingdom of God. Now, we understand this use of the word world uh, when we flip on ESPN, and he says, here's some news from the world of sports, right? When they talk about the world of sports, we don't think there's another planet out there somewhere, right? Sports planet, right? Or when you flip on CNN Business and it's, um, you know, from the world of finance, right? It's, it's a, a, a set of rules, a set of values. There's a certain number of people participating in that system. The world of sports, the world of, world of business, the world of finance. And this is what this use of the word world is talking about. This organized um, opposition to God and his kingdom now, we should love the people of the world as God does. We love the people of the world. Christian, non-Christian, Jew, Gentile, Muslim, Hindu, every distinction that you can imagine, we love the people of the world. Jesus loves the people of the world, but we do not love the system that keeps them in bondage. All of us were once a part of that system. We were all once a part of the world, but God has called us out. We are born again. We're a part of his kingdom, and we're now citizens of heaven. So this world and its system and its value system is not ours. It's not our home. So verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The more I love the world, the things of this world, its values, its culture, what it, what it puts on a pedestal, the more I have affections in my heart drawn towards that, the less love I have in my heart towards God. The, the more I allow myself to be drawn away with affections towards the things of the world, the less room I have in my heart to love the Father. Anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So worldliness, have you ever heard of a worldly Christian? These worldly Christians. Worldliness is not a matter of activity. 
It is a matter of affection. It's not a matter of do this, don't do that, go to this place, don't go to that place, uh, buy these kinds of food, drink these kinds of drinks, do this. It's not a matter of activity. Worldliness is a matter of the heart, a matter of the affections. And so am I loving God with everything I've got? Am I looking to God as, as, as what gives me life and joy and satisfaction in life? Or am I looking to the things of this world? The, the lust of the flesh, he says, or the desires of the flesh, that's anything that appeals to my fallen nature. Anything that appeals to the sinfulness in my flesh. The desires of the eyes or the lust of the eyes, that's pleasures that gratify the sight and mind. The pride of life or possessions, that's materialism. That's wanting to up, impress other people with the stuff I got. Oh, look, I got another sea-do. I'm just going to park it out front so everybody can look at it and think how awesome I am. Yeah, we went on that vacation again. Oh, man, it's just life is so hard just trying to plan all my vacations, you know. <laughs> you know, all of that kind of like keeping up with the Joneses. And, oh, I got another raise. Oh, I don't know. I just, they just like me over here. I'm just so blessed, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, th this, this pride, this importance, this self-importance by the stuff and the things that I have, trying to have other people put me on a pedestal. These three things are the way the world gets into your heart. These three things, these three avenues are, are the way that Satan tries to bring his darkness into your heart. And so we have to be on guard. We have to be on guard. Now, there are many things in Scripture that are just flat-out sin. Pride is sin. Gossip is sin. Lying is sin. Drunkenness is sin. Uh, sexual immorality is sin. It's just clear. Sin, 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 sin. So, like, all of that stuff is sin. You can't do it. Stop doing it. Repent. Turn to Jesus. Put it to death in your life. Other things... How do I spend my free time? Should I involve my kids in sports, even if I can't be at church as much? Um, where should I, how should I budget my money? How much should I give? All of these other things, you know, what kind of entertainment should I watch? Um, how much time should I spend on social media? Zero. Um, how much time, <laughs> right? All of these other things, right? Like you can't go to chapter and verse, you know, spend an hour a day on such and such. It, it's not the way it works. And so the test is, is this, apply, is this stirring up the lust of the flesh? Is this feeding the lust of the eyes? Is this stirring up my pride of life? And if it is, it's leading me away from the love of the Father. It's leading me away from God. And so my test has to be for me. Are, are these things that I'm involving myself in, am I falling in love with these things? I'm not saying you can't enjoy them, that you can't go on vacation, that you can't use social media, that you can't have entertainment. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is don't fall in love with those things. Don't let those things become the source of your life. Because if you do, your, your heart only has so much capacity. And the love of the Father will be missing. Yes, you can enjoy them, but don't fall in love with them. Don't love them more than God. So is it, are these things stirring up my affections for God or for something else? If you want some homework this week, you can read Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. 
This will show you Satan used this trick on Eve and also Matthew chapter 4 where Satan tempted Jesus. He, he used the same three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He used them both on Eve and on Jesus. They worked on Eve. Thank God they did not work on Jesus. So you can read those, Matthew uh, chapter 4, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So my final admonition to you this morning is from verse 17. It says, The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do not love what is passing away. Do not waste your life loving what is passing away, what is fading away. Invest your life, invest your heart, invest your affections, invest your dollars, invest your time, invest your gifts. Invest it into something that's not passing away. Invest it into something that's eternal. Invest it into people, invest it into the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added to you. Satan tempts us and tricks us through these other things, thinking that at the end of them we'll find what we're looking for. Jesus says, seek me first and seek my kingdom first and everything else will be added to you. You go around this way, it's just an endless circle that leads you nowhere. Do not love what is passing away. This world is passing away. This system is passing away. Invest your life into what will not pass away. Only that which belongs to the will of God will stand in eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our time together. Lord, help us to grow. We want to grow. I want to grow. Lord, I want to grow into the man of God that you've called me to be. I want to, to, to not be uh, um, just a babe in Christ or, or a young man in Christ. Lord, I, I pray that you would help me to move on to uh, Christian maturity, to be the father in the faith, Lord, that I believe you've called me to be. But Lord, I ask that too for all of my dear brothers and sisters here today. Lord, I believe that as we arise in faith to be the people you've called us to be, moving from uh, childhood into adulthood, learning not, not not just needing to be fed, but learning how to feed ourselves, to, to grow and to be strong, to overcome the evil one, to put to death sin in our lives, and to move even beyond that we are, we're loving and serving and feeding others. Lord, I believe as we do that as a church, Lord, that we will reach more people than we could even imagine. Lord, when we begin to walk in victory, when we begin to get our eyes off of ourselves and, and to begin to serve and love and feed others. As we walk into maturity, Lord, I know there are people in this community that you have for us to reach. Lord, help us, stir us up, put a desire in our hearts to not love the things of the world, but to love you. To not be led astray by material possessions. But Lord, that we would truly possess eternal life and be settled in that. Because if we've got you, we've got everything we need. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.